Hey, it's Scott Petrak with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The Browns improved to 6-8 and eight and kept alive the remote playoff chances with a 13-3 win over the Baltimore Ravens last Saturday. Next up are the New Orleans Saints on Christmas Eve at what promises to be a frigid, windy First Energy Stadium. To discuss everything is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. Hey, Chud. God, how are you? Number one, Merry Christmas. Yeah, same to you, bud. Thank you. Appreciate it. I, I guess I, you know, I, I keep telling people I feel like Keanu Reeves in the Matrix, you know, like dodging, you know, like the the bullets or whatever's coming your way, like with sickness and the weather. It's like we have all these obstacles, you know, and it's just like just uh, happy to be here. Right. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly you're exactly right. You're you uh, read my mind on that, buddy. There's all kinds yeah. of stuff to deal with these days. No doubt. I You know, so we're taping this on Friday. Uh, but I think that actually not a terrible thing. I, I know we like to do it earlier in the week, but there's just so much to talk about. But I, I think before we get back to uh, the win over the Ravens, I think we got to talk about tomorrow first yeah. with this weather. I mean, it's what a, a factor. I, I saw that you retweeted someone that uh, no New Orleans media, local media is going to be able to get here. And uh, obviously, I mean, fans who are going to the game tomorrow, what, what to look for. But the weather is certainly uh, uh, the main story here. Yeah, it really is. And, and I'm not a guy that pays super close attention to the weather, you know, um, except if I'm playing golf, right? <laughs> just if it's going to be rainy, <laughs> rainy or not. Uh, but this is a week where you can't ignore it. You know, it's similar to that Buffalo game, right, where they moved it from Buffalo to Detroit, where you had to really focus on it. But now it's they're actually going to play in the conditions, right? That game was moved to Detroit. They played in a dome. That felt like a weird circumstance where they're just, you know, Buffalo got dumped on. There's nothing you can do about it. This is, they're going to play through it, um, and it's going to be wind, and it's going to be extreme cold, and there's a chance of snow, right? So you throw all of it together, and it just affects every part of the game. And Kevin Stefanski was sick of talking about it by the end of the week. Um, I said something to him as he walked up the podium on, let's, let's, I guess Tuesday, and he walked by, and he, I sit on the aisle, so he walks by every day, and I just said, you know, like, are you going to be warm enough? He's like, yeah, I'll be fine. Don't make a big deal about it. I'm like, all right. So I knew he didn't really want to talk about it too much. And then Thursday, he gets like six questions in a row. Somebody asked him about his wardrobe, and he like wouldn't even answer. He just stared at the, at the person <laughs> asking the question because he's like, all right. So they know it's going to be bad. They know they have to be ready for it. But I think there's an element of you don't want it to get in your head. You don't want it to become more than it is. Uh but it's it, but certainly a factor, and it's interesting, right? Nick Chubb's going to go sleeveless. Dave Njoku is going to warm up without a shirt, which, you know, these guys are tough dudes, and they're young and in great shape. But it's still interesting, right, because it's going to be freezing. And if you're in the stands or standing on the sideline, it's going to be really, really cold. The wind's going to be whipping. So you have the mental part of it, right? you got to prepare to be cold. And then you have, how does it affect the game? Will you be able to throw the ball if it's blowing 30 miles an hour consistently? Makes it really hard to do that. Uh, the kicking game, it, it feels like it's going to be a field position game. So you need to be able to punt it. When you have those chance to kick field goals or extra points even, you got to make them. Do you go for two instead of kicking extra points, right? Like I think all those things are going to become a factor or have the potential to become issues um, Saturday. And I think it's going to be really fascinating to watch how it plays out. Man, so no shirt? Najoku yeah. is going to warm up. I mean, what, 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 why? Well, number one, he loves to show off his 
upper body. Like right. if if you watch him practice, he practices as much as he can without a shirt on. He sits in the locker room without a shirt on. He just loves to show off, and it's become a like ritual for him. He that's what he does. He warms up every game without a shirt on, and he's not going to change that for you know what could be minus twenty degree wind chill. You know it seems ridiculous. You would hope that he doesn't stay out there too long, right? Um, but that's what he said he's going to do. Nick Chubb said he's going to go sleeveless. You know, all the offensive line usually do. You know, you wonder about, you got cold ball on cold skin. Like, is it more potential to fumble? You know, I don't know. I think that's something to pay attention to. I understand that Nick just wants to, he said, I don't want to change anything. So he practices with no sleeves, plays with no sleeves. Um, and, and I get that. You know, I, I understand that. But if you're just your average layman who's, you know, going to be cold sitting in the press box, um, that feels like a crazy decision to make. Yeah. There there was never any talk about moving this game, though, was there? I mean... No, I didn't hear anything. And it entered my mind multiple times, Judd. And I thought about it, and I, you know, I talked to some people inside the building, and it never really materialized to anything where I felt like I had to make a formal, you know, inquiry to the NFL or anything. Um, it just never got to that point. And it looks like, I mean, who knows, right? But it looks like the worst stuff's going to be... We're taping this Friday. So today, um, not that it won't be bad Saturday, and that's bitter cold, um, you know, that people are going to have to play through and sit through, you know. Um, the fans are going to have to be really careful just from a safety standpoint, a stay warm standpoint. I think that's the biggest concern. But, uh, you know, I think holiday week probably makes it difficult to change things unless you really have to, you know, unless there's some crazy event that happens. Um, as silly as it is, TV, I think, impacts it. The NFL wants to play a bunch of games on Saturday and then have a couple highlight games on Sunday, and then the NBA has a bunch of games on Sunday. So I think all those things factor in, and uh, you're just going to have to suck it up if you're going to the game. Yeah. The NFL is starting to steal Christmas from the NBA. It's trying. You know, I saw some ESPN today, and they were talking about their five, I think it's five NBA games. They're going to be across ESPN and ABC. Uh, but I think the NFL's got three, right, on Christmas Day. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's kind of weird that it took so long for the league to get there. Um, but now it certainly feels like anytime Christmas is over the weekend that the NFL's going to load up. And I get yeah. it because everybody watches. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at the slate of games for Christmas Day, and I was like, ah, you know, it'd be nice if they could flex them out and have because the matchups aren't amazing. Right. But then I was kind of looking just across the board. The NFL matchups aren't amazing this weekend. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even study that. I mean, I picked, you know, I'm in one of those leagues where you pick all the games. So I guess I did go through. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I saw, I think it might have been Pro Football Talk tweet about, hey, it'd be nice if they could flex the games. <laughs> then I saw one of the writers, one of the NFL writers be like, hey, just because you want to watch a slightly better game on Christmas yeah. doesn't mean – Every family member and every stadium worker has to adjust their schedule for Christmas. Um, and I kind of get that, you know, like if you're inside the business, you know, and I get it, the fans, you know, if you're home, you want to watch good games, but it does affect people, right? You set your schedule a long time in advance or, okay, how are you going to you know, celebrate the holidays? And all of a sudden they switch the game a week before. It really could screw stuff up. And, you know, just from personal experience, I had a wedding last weekend and the Browns didn't know if they were playing Saturday or Sunday. Until oh, that's week before, right? So that's right. Yeah, it really does have kind of an, a broad effect on just people in general. Let alone the workers at the stadium, the cops that need to be there, right? Everything that goes involved that is involved with 
a big event like that, if you don't have that certainty, it kind of messes with people. I, I remember you talking about that before the season. I'm glad you brought that up again. So did you end up missing the wedding? I, I tried to fit everything in. I actually went to the <laughs> ceremony, went to the game, left the game a little bit early, went to the wedding, watched the end of the game from the wedding. I had other people helping me out writing. So I tried to um, tried to multitask, I guess. I'll tell you, Scott, your readers, if they don't understand what you do for them, they better because you are <laughs> you are a dedicated man. Well, I appreciate that, Chuck. <laughs> uh, now, you may have skipped the wedding for a, a nice golf trip. Well, that's true. But that, that's another story. But no, I'm kidding. Uh, before we get to the uh, Ravens game, a uh, couple things I wanted to hit on. Uh, number one, just I feel like injuries are kind of a, a big thing this week. Uh, you know, a lot of big yeah. names for the Saints are out, and uh, I think that uh, Clowney's out. And yep. uh, can you just go over the, the situation with the injuries heading into this? Yeah, Clowney's out for the Browns. John Johnson, the third, the safety, who's coming off a really good game against Baltimore, probably his best game of the year. He had a forced fumble and a recovery, made some tackles, was in on that key fourth down stop, the fourth and one stop early in the game that set a tone. Um, he was listed as questionable with the thigh injury. I asked him, I said, on Thursday, I said, you know, you think you're going to play? And he's like, I don't see why not. So I think he's going to play. If he's able to practice with the thigh bruise um, on Thursday, he expects to play. So it's only Clowney, which, you know, he hasn't had the sack production. He's only got two sacks all year. But he's been active lately. And he does have an impact against the run, against the pass. You know, it could be a run game. Um, you know, I mean, the Saints could run it 45 times. Or like, I don't think that's out of the question, given the conditions, right, how it plays out. And you need your best run defender. So that will be a loss for the Browns. Alex Wright will take his place. Chase Winovich and Isaiah Thomas will play more in the rotation. Um, and Wright's pretty good against the run, but he's not clowny good. Um, Wright doesn't have a sack yet. I talked to him this week, and he said he's getting closer. And it's just been such an adjustment going from UAB to NFL linemen like you just said they're so good you need that your moves and techniques to be need to be so sound and he's really had to develop them where now he feels like he's there and a sack's gonna come um but he, he said it was tougher than he thought that transition going against just big time linemen get play in play out was kind of more difficult than he thought um but that's it for the Browns Cla or Garrett Miles Garrett missed two days with an illness but was back Thursday. He's going to play. Nick Chubb has a foot injury, didn't practice for two days, but did Thursday. He's going to play. So it's really clowny for the Browns. And they're getting Ethan Posick back. The center yeah. that played really well early in the year got hurt against Buffalo, missed four games with the MCL sprain. He said it was a partial tear. Um, he's back, and he practiced this week. He's going to be in your starting lineup. Uh, they said he looked good at practice. So that's a boost. For the line, it's a boost for the run game. Again, if you think Chubb and Hunt are going to run, or and Watson, right, they could run 45 times. It's nice having your center in there because there was certainly a drop-off to Yelder Forholt, just who doesn't have that experience as a center. And then for the Saints, they have some issues. Chris Olave, the outstanding rookie receiver out of Ohio State, uh, he's not going to play. He's got a hamstring injury. He's out, and he's their leading receiver. He's really good. He's got like one drop on the year. Jarvis Landry, right, everybody knows him, has not mm -hmm. had a big year for New Orleans. He's dealt with injuries. But if he had been healthy, you never know, right? He could come in here, be motivated, make a key play or two. But he's gonna, he went on IR with an ankle injury, so he's out and out for the season. Um, and then they got a couple other guys. 
Pete Warner, the linebacker, he's out. Um, and then the question mark is Marshawn Lattimore. He's missed a bunch of games. The corner out of Ohio State with an abdominal injury. Um, he's questionable. They said this is as close as it's been to going, so we'll see if he actually plays. But no Alave, no Landry, no Warner. I mean, those are big, those are big guys for the Saints. Yeah, certainly. Um, how about uh, Pro Bowl honors? Um, the the right to what playing a flag football game now or yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's so much prestige now, right? Like that's all it is, right? Because people quit watching the game anyway, right? Um, and and then there are a bunch of players that wouldn't go. So now doesn't it feel like just like a line on your resume, which is fine, and I think they they need to be recognized, like the players need to be recognized, and maybe the flag football thing with the Peyton and Eli Manning. Maybe that'll rejuvenate it. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's certainly a big honor. And it's, um, you know, it's uh, Joe Batonio, Miles Garrett, and Nick Chubb. The three of them, it's three straight years that the threesome is going together. And then you had a bunch of alternates. Amari Cooper, Denzel Ward, Jack Conklin, Wyatt Teller, and David Njoku. Yeah, Chubb again, man. Is this uh, four straight years? Oh, that's a great – yeah, it's all but his rookie year. So, yeah, four straight years. Yeah. Yeah, that's impressive. Wow. All right. Um, let's move on now. Let's let's get let's get uh before we'll we'll break down the game a little bit more and do prediction at the end. But I think we've uh we've we've got let's get back to the Ravens game and we both uh we both were wrong. We both picked the Ravens to win that game. You know, I don't think we were alone, but you know, I think there were plenty of people thinking the Browns could win that game. I I, th- I don't think we were locked into it being a, a guarantee. You know, I think we, yeah. but I, I think maybe what I, I thought maybe, let's put it this way. I am impressed at the Browns and their ability to keep fighting. They keep proving all year long to bounce back. They certainly are not quitters and give them credit. And I didn't think, I mean, we both said that they hadn't quit on the season. Neither of us thought that. But I thought there was an element to last week of, you know, you think the you know, playoff chances are kind of what, 1%. Uh, you know, it's cold out, you know, you just, I don't know how much, how much would they, how much desire would they have? And I guess I'm making a, a short story long here. They had the desire and that impressed me. And maybe I overlooked that along with no Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. I think it, I, I think it was fair to question Chud, whether or not that they would play with the same effort. Um, you know, Miles Garrett insisted that they would. But you never know. I, I think you never know until you see it. And we saw it last Saturday that the Browns played really hard. And I, I think that's a great sign, not only for the team, and it speaks highly of their character. Not, You know, it, it's such a weird thing to talk about because obviously they should play hard, right? You should have no questions about their effort. Having said that, we've seen plenty of teams, not just in Cleveland, across the league, if the playoffs are out of the picture – there's some part of your human nature that says you let down. And the fact that they didn't speaks well of the Browns, not that they, you know, not that they should have less effort, but I think it just speaks well for them. And then Kevin Stefanski, right? Part of that's on the coaching staff, that they get the team prepared, that they keep the team focused. And that certainly was the case against Baltimore. And I would expect it to continue to be the case. You know, the Browns are hanging on to this, you know, there's 1% chance of going to playoffs. So, you know, there's that little bit of carrot. But even without that, I just think this team's going to continue to play hard. I think that's 
Um, that's their makeup. And I do think that's a credit to the coaching staff. And when you talk about Kevin Stefanski's job security, right, and whether or not there's any chance he could get fired at the end of the year, there's a lot of criticism following that loss to the Bengals. I think a strong finish, which started against the Ravens, will really cement his spot. Well, you know, it's funny that that was on my ideas of things to talk about. And I saw that you um, you were in the locker room for Watson supporting Stefanski and saying, you know, I I guess was the main reason, a big reason. uh, But that to me right there, that is all I needed to hear to tell you that Kevin Stefanski is not getting fired this year. That's my opinion. When you listen, they put all that money into Watson and they're riding on him to be the savior. And he says that, that to me is all I needed to hear to think Stefanski's fine. That's a, no, you're exactly right. You're exactly right, Chud. And, you know, you'd heard that that was part of it, but I don't think Watson had ever been that vocal and that specific about the role Stefanski played in him deciding to come here, right? And, you know, whether or not he would have said the same thing if he had landed somewhere else, um, the fact is he's here. Stefanski was part of that. Now, that doesn't mean they're always going to be united. It doesn't mean at some point um, Watson might say, hey, I think we could have a better coach, right? Like, I'm not happy with the circumstance. But it certainly feels right now that he's all in with Kevin Stefanski. He likes the system. He likes what he can do in this system. He likes it not all being on himself. The ability to run the ball is a team, right? The offensive line in front of him, all of that. Um, but it starts with Kevin Stefanski. So I, I think you're exactly right. If, you know, now if they finish the season, you know, six and 11, you know, dropping their last three, could there, would that talk surface? Maybe about Stefanski's future. But I, I do think the Watson thing would overrule any of that. And you couple that with the win over the Ravens. And I, I think we can probably stop talking about that unless something significant changes, right? So, yeah, I think your point is really well taken. Yeah. And back to the Ravens game, just frustrating, too, to watch that game and think that, man, if they could have just done this more often, especially the defense, right? I mean, it just felt like this is the team that, you know, we wanted to see. And just the inconsistency of this Cleveland Browns team is frustrating. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Now, you know, I think if you looked at Ravens game, it's interesting because – you know, 13 points is not a lot. And the weather was a factor, but not a crazy factor. Um, the defense gave up 198 yards rushing. So that, I mean, that's been an issue all year. But what the difference was is they kept the Ravens out of the end zone. And that was critical plays at critical times. And that's been missing. And we've talked about it, right? You got to make a big play here. You got to get that takeaway here. And it had just not been there at a lot of big moments throughout the season. And I mentioned the John Johnson being in on that fourth and one stop. That was a huge play in the game. I think it was the Ravens' first drive, first or second drive. And they get inside the 10, go for it on fourth and one. And it was third and short and fourth and short. I think the Browns got back-to-back stops. Keeps them out of any points, out of the end zone, and no points. That's huge. And then you start the second half. Ravens go on a drive. Denzel Ward takes the ball away from Deshaun Jackson. Big pick. Browns go on the only touchdown drive of the game. Next drive for the Ravens, John Johnson the third forces a fumble, recovers it, and all of a sudden you're, you know, the third quarter is almost over, and the Ravens haven't been able to score, and you've been able to build on your small halftime lead. So it, it's really the 
big plays at the big moments that they were able to make. And that you're, you're hundred percent right. That consistency had been missing. And that element was missing in way too many of the losses. You look at the Jets game, you look at the Falcons game, you look at the Chargers game where one play in the fourth quarter turns a loss into a win. Yeah, certainly. Let me ask you this. And I don't, and, and granted, I know the answer can be both, but I'm putting you on the spot here and you can only give one answer. You can explain the answer, but you can only go one direction. Okay. Did the Browns win that game or did the Ravens lose it? Yeah, I like the Browns win. Um, and, and I get where you're going. And I think there are circumstances where a team loses and you probably go to that Jets game, right? In week two, that felt like the Browns it didn't feel like the Browns lost that game, right? You're up 13. Um, you could have taken a knee, all those things, right? We beat that to death. So that was a loss. This didn't feel like the Ravens. I don't think the Ravens handed it to the Browns. I thought the Browns made big plays. The fourth down, like the, everything I just talked about, the fourth down stop, the two takeaways. The Browns really attacked on those plays. They scored enough. They ran the clock out at the end when they needed to. So all of that to me feels like the Browns took that game. And I, you know, I get the argument of, oh, the Ravens didn't run enough. They should have kept running. Um, the Ravens turned it over. Yeah, that's true. But in my estimation, I credit the Browns. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I just you. I, I just thought the Ravens made some poor decisions and obviously executed poorly. But uh, I, I think you make some good points. No question. Uh, kicking game, though. Sure. Uh, any thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think we talked so much about K. Jork early in the year, right? And now. Um, there's a reason to worry. The reason there's reason to be concerned. Now, this is not they need to cut K. York. It's not, oh my God, it was a disastrous draft pick. It's he needs to figure some stuff out. And it starts with he needs to he needs to strike the ball better, more consistent. And that may seem so simple, but it's not. Like the kick he missed low and left, yeah, uh, against the Ravens. He had the same miss, I think it was against Tampa Bay. That has nothing to do with the stadium. It has nothing to do with the weather. He just missed the ball. And the same thing happened on two kickoffs in the Dome in Houston. So he, they're trying to kick it deep in the end zone, and he winds up hitting squib kicks. Like, that's not hitting the ball like you're supposed to hit it. And when you look at it's an easy comparison. I know Justin Tucker had, a, um, you know, had the miss and the block last week. But why he is so good and is the best of all time is because he hits a ball on the same spot in his foot like almost every time. Cade York is not there. And it's, it's so easy for me to compare it to a golf swing, right? The guys at the ball in the center of the club face, they have the most success. And those guys are the most consistent. And you can count on it under pressure. And if you're not on the center of the club face, bad stuff happens. And that's what's happening for Cade York. When he hits it pure, it's gorgeous. Like the, I think it was a 49 yard yarder against Baltimore. It was gorgeous. But then he has these where... He doesn't. So he's got to get better at that. Um, he's got to make sure it doesn't affect his confidence. I know he's, you know, he's got a lot of confidence, but it's human nature for this kind of thing to eat away at you. And he's young. He's only 21. So he needs to keep that confidence up. He needs to be more consistent. And I think he'll be okay, but he hasn't been nearly good enough. And those type of kicks, you just can't have. And Mike Prefer, the coordinator, was clear about that when we talked to him this week. 
You just can't have that. And now you're going to a weather game where points are going to be at a premium. If he's asked to kick in a tough spot, he's got to rise to the occasion because this game could come down to an extra point or late field goal in a tough spot. And he's got to be mentally strong and be able to, to deliver. Yeah, no doubt. What about Watson? I mean, are you, are you seeing improvement as the weeks go on? Where, where are you at on the Watson meter? Yeah, I, you know what? The numbers weren't great against Baltimore for him, but I thought he played better. I thought it was another step in the right direction. His completion percentage has gone up each week. His passer rating has gone up each week. Felt like he's seeing the field clearer and faster, making better decisions. No interceptions for the first time which was big in that, especially in that game, a low scoring, close game. He protected the ball. He had a big scramble that was important. So yeah, I I do see uh, positive signs. Now the question is, when is it going to be like, when do the floodgates going to open, right? Like when do all the big plays happen? When does he look like the same guy from 2020? And I kind of thought that six games would be enough. Now I'm not positive. Not, you know, I think you'll see incremental progress, and then at some point early next season, he'll start to look like that guy, and you'll see the offense open up. Um, but I, I do think the Browns should take confidence in the fact that he's has shown improvement, and it's not just one area. I kind of feel like it's across-the-board improvement. Anything else uh, on Ravens or this week before we get to prediction time? Yeah, real quick, as we're sitting yeah. here taping this, Judd, um, news breaks that Jack Conklin has reached an extension with the Browns. Saw so, that. Yeah, so, you know, we're kind of worried about – or not worried, but, you know, you're wondering as the Browns, um, were they, what were they going to do right tackle, right? You had question at right tackle. Jedrick Wills has been, you know, inconsistent at left tackle. But I don't think the Browns had – an upgrade for Jack Conklin. I think he's played solid. He's coming off that patellar, so I think he should be even better next year. He dealt with a little foot injury part of this year. He's a good guy to have in your locker room. So I think the Browns realized that, you know, the question was, okay, do you sign him or do you turn it over to James Hudson III? And I just don't think the Browns were ready to do that. And I think they think Conklin's a better player and he's two-time Pro Bowler. So I, I certainly agree with that. Um, so, you know, he's got a four-year... This is, you know, reports. I've, I've confirmed the deal. I haven't confirmed the numbers because this is really just breaking in the last couple of minutes. Um, four years, $60 million deal, 31 guaranteed. That's coming from his agent. So I would, you know, who knows if those numbers are exactly right, you know, but um, four-year deal, that sounds reasonable, right? That's not crazy money for your right tackle. Uh, I know he wanted to be here, Jack Conklin. He said that – Um. You know, he, he's going to spend his rest of his life here, I think, is what he said about Cleveland. So he'd love to finish mm. his career here. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I think it's a really significant sign. Excellent. Breaking news on the podcast. Yeah. You go write that when we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just when you thought, yeah, we're going to hang up and. Exactly. I got other stuff to finish. Now I got to add that to my list of things. To do. Yeah, add it to your list. Yep. Right. Um, are you. Wow, so you get to sit in the uh, press box. But, boy, I'll tell you, tomorrow, man, that, that, that definitely diehard fans tomorrow. And and we know the Browns fans are. But, uh, you know, Christmas Eve to be in that cold. Ooh. No, you're right. And t- for, You're right. And I'm not complaining about being in the press box. I'll tell you what, the front row of the press box is not super warm, though. <laughs> it's it's not outside, <laughs> but it's not crazy warm. Um, so I'll be bundled up, like, 
double socks, long sleeve shirts, like or under sweaters, like it's chilly, but not you know, dirty below. Um, right. So, I, you know, Christmas Eve is usually a fun game for fans to go to, right? Kids are home from college, you get family comes back in, and you show up. Um, but you'd have to think twice about going to this game, wouldn't you? Like, I mean, it's, oh, it's wait, hold, hold, hold on, hold on one second. Wait. It, it, Feels like <laughs> how many have we had in recent years? You know, say, buddy, you over, over since they've been back. Oh, I'm saying it might be fun with oh. you know kids home and family and stuff, but I mean the the Browns have had some horrendous Christmas Eve games since they've returned to the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're probably right. I probably blocked some of them out, Chud. I mean, I remember <laughs> the. I think the last one I covered was in 2016 with the one in 15 year. They got their first win. Remember, Jamie Meter blocks the field goal late. Um, so I remember being at that game, and I remember thinking there were way more fans than I thought they would be. They're 0-14, I think, at the time. Uh, and there were a bunch of fans there. So um, it maybe, it's not, maybe, it's not Chris, maybe it's not Christmas Eve exactly, but just the game that surrounds Christmas. Oh, sure. I mean, you know, last year in Green Bay, right, Baker throws four picks. That was on Christmas. Um but yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's been a lot of yeah, there's certainly been a lot of games around the holidays where the Browns, um, yeah, yeah, don't look good, right? And, and give no and give fans reason to go to uh, you know show up at your Christmas party all upset because of the Browns, right? I mean, that's I've walked I've walked into Christmas Eve plenty of times like that, right? And everybody's <laughs> ask me what went wrong with the Browns, you know. So that's you're 100 percent right about that. I just I mean, what would it take? I mean. You really have to be a diehard fan to show up tomorrow, wouldn't you? Like to sit outside in that weather, um, like that's it's really extreme. Like I, I'm curious <laughs> to see how many people show up, and God bless everybody that does. But it feels like a lot of reasons not to go. Yeah, no question. Uh, all right, you ready to get to prediction time? Sure. All right, so the Browns are six and eight. Chud and Petrak seven and seven. We we have stumbled recently yeah. um but you know it just kind of feels like a, a it feels like a 500 kind of year doesn't it making predictions <laughs> on this team um you know i mean it sometimes it feels easy and sometimes it doesn't I, and that's a seven and seven record yeah and i think you're right i think there's been a lot of factors that have played into this season for them and then trying to pick the season for us yeah uh you want to go first or second uh let me go second but while you give yours, let me ask you this. Like, how much are you factoring the weather into this? Like, are you thinking we could see, like, eight passes from each team? Like, do you think it could be that drastic? Well, I, you know, I mean, it just depends on – I think it plays a major factor. I mean, really, it's the wind. I mean, it. it you know, the, I, obviously the cold temperatures play a factor. I think it, it always feels like the wind is what – even more so than rain or snow, right? Like wind is yeah. always the major variable. So, yeah. you know, if it's if it's windy, yeah, I think it's uh, plays a major factor. Um, as far as how many passes, so you're saying like a combined sixteen passes, like you know, I, I guess, I guess I would probably take the over on that, but yeah. um, it's possible, yeah. yeah. I just, I just think it's interesting. I'm fascinated to see how that plays out. Hmm. Well, and you would think too, and we didn't. I mean, just look, last week against the Ravens, hey, you run the ball and you run successfully and you win, right? Well, right, right. 
So but that, Browns but are... Yeah, but teams tend to not do that, right? I mean, we've talked about from the Browns' perspective. Well, why don't perspective? Why don't they run it forty-five times? Because it's two thousand twenty-two and teams throw the ball. But maybe right. not tomorrow, right? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not Saturday for Energy Stadium. No, good point. All right, uh, I'll go first. Um, all right, so what did I see the latest uh, on the over uh, point totals at 32 and a half? That's without question the lowest one we've seen this year, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. without it. <laughs> but I think it went, I think it dropped like about five points during the week, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think, I've, yeah, you're right. I had it at 34 and a half at one point. I saw it higher than that. So, yeah, you're right. Um, and then what's the latest on the line? The Browns, I, I saw them at three and a half. Has that gone down? Now it's three. Yeah, I've seen I th- two and a half. Yeah, I thought, I think in the our paper today we had three. Um, it feels like it's been pretty steady around three, probably moving just a hair. Yeah. So I'm going to go with uh, a few things here. I'm, I'm going to take the Browns. And, uh, you know, the Saints, I, I looked up, the Saints are one in five on the road and against the spread on the road this year. So their injuries that you just talked about, um, you know, Alvin Kamara hasn't been a, a monster this year. Uh, I think all these touchdowns came in one game. Uh, still, you got to account for them. But I just, uh, I think that if the Browns can feed off of that defensive performance last week you know the defense can kind of lead the charge Watson does just enough and uh I'm gonna go 13 to 6 Browns not married to that score um you know I guess I'm factoring that based on the over under and the weather you know that could mean a Saints touchdown missed extra point two field goals I don't know okay um feel comfortable in a Browns win wouldn't be shocked if they yeah so there wouldn't be a shock factor there but I, you know, I, I feel pretty comfortable going Browns. So I'm going to go Browns. How about you? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Uh, I, I was trying to, you know, you play out. You've talked about, you know, extra points and that. I was trying to play out a scenario where, okay, maybe there's a couple missed extra points. Maybe there's a two point conversion mixed in. So I got a little different score than I probably normally would. Um, I'm going Browns 22 16. I think both teams will have success running the ball. The Saints were bad last week against Atlanta. They gave up two-something on the ground. And obviously, there'll be a bunch of guys in the box for both defenses. And maybe if the wind isn't as bad, maybe you can throw it a little bit. But let's say it becomes a run game. I think both teams can have some success because I think both run defenses are vulnerable and both run offenses are pretty solid. Um, Taysom Hill is an X factor. I think the Browns are going to have to deal with him from a running perspective. He's bigger than Kamara. He runs downhill, so I think he's going to run a bunch, and the Browns have to figure out a way to handle that style. But I think they do. I think, you know, New Orleans has – they're kind of in the Brown spot where they have this faint playoff hopes because their division's so bad. But do they want to be playing on Christmas Eve in the cold? You know, they're New Orleans. They play in a dome. They're, the stat I saw in the Saints, um, you know, the media release – they're 0-6 outside this year and 0-4 on grass. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for reasons as a Browns fan to be confident, I, I think I think there it is right there. You know, you would assume the Browns have the edge in punting and kicking, given that the Saints don't kick in bad weather very often. Corey Bajorquez, the punter for the Browns, 
has kicked in Buffalo and Green Bay, right, and Cleveland. So he's used to it. If it's a field position game, I think that play that factors in. You know, if quarterbacks matter, I like Deshaun Watson over Andy Dalton, even though Dalton's having a really good year. Uh, so I, I just think it kind of feels like a Browns a game where the Browns do what they're supposed to do, which is beat a dome team at home in bad weather on a holiday. Right? It feels like this is a game the Browns should win, so I'm going to pick them to win 22-16. I might be kind of jealous of your score. I, I, <laughs> I'm i kind of surprised you went that high, though, but I don't know. Yeah, I know. I mean, obviously, that would hit the over. Um, might go, go way past the over, but it, it hit the over probably even early in the week. It was right around 37, I think. Um, but, yeah, it ju- I just feel like you're going to see maybe a couple of big runs. I don't know if it'll be a two-yard, two-yard, you know, like, I do think you might see Chubb get through the line and maybe go for one or the same thing with Kamara Hill. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not positive those if that score is going to be right, but that's what I was thinking. Yeah, no, nicely done. I, either way, we're both going to be – we're either both going to be eight and seven or seven and eight. There you go. Let's go for – let's hope for eight and seven. Not yeah. – <laughs> just for our sake. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So cool, Chud. Um, I appreciate it, buddy. Anything else? No, I'm good, man. Let's uh, let's get a win tomorrow. Uh, let's get a win tomorrow on Saturday. Enjoy your Christmas again. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Hope you have a safe and warm weekend. And uh, hopefully, we're talking about a win next week. Yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm gonna go write about Jack Conklin signing a contract extension. Um, so thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been another episode of the Zone Coverage Podcast. And you can read all my work at brownzone.com. Thanks a lot.